Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now here's your host, Stacey Hegarty. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Hegarty, the Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Joining us today, we have two guests from Anchor Center for Blind Children in Denver, Colorado. We have Megan Klassen, who's the Executive Director, and Jen Taylor, who's one of the teachers for the visually impaired. Welcome, Megan and Jen. I'm glad you're both here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, let's start off with some introductions. Megan, tell us about yourself. And then Jen, if you could tell us about yourself, that would be fantastic. Sure. So I'm Megan Klassen. I'm the executive director over at the Anchor Center for Blind Children, which is located in the Central Park neighborhood of Denver. My background is early childhood special education. So I taught in an inclusive preschool setting for several years. Inclusive meaning we had children with and without disabilities learning side by side in the classroom for several years before I moved into the administration space. And I've been an admin for almost 15 years and been the executive director at the Anchor Center for a little over three years. Excellent. Jen, how about you? Hi, I'm Jen Taylor. I am originally from Texas. I was a itinerant teacher of the visually impaired over there for a couple of years. I have a background in special education as well as a master's in vision. I am also visually impaired myself. I have oculotaneous albinism. And at the Anchor Center, I work with the infant, toddler, and preschool programs. So many people don't really have much of a personal connection or even much knowledge about the blind and visually impaired community. Can you share with us some of the things that you wish everyone understood? I think with every person with a visual impairment, what they want people to understand, I think is different. So for me personally, mine is obviously my vision doesn't define who I am, but you know, it's just a part of who I am. You know, I've gone off and I've done all these cool, amazing things. I just happen to be a person with a visual impairment as well as, you know, this world is a sighted world. Everything is so visual. So just like if you see somebody with a visual impairment, you know, on the street, you know, chances are we don't see you, but we would love to be approached. We love to be talked to, you know, we love to share our stories. And if it looks like we need help, we probably do, but there's like a different ways to go about that. You know, you don't just come up and grab somebody just kind of say, hi, I'm whoever your name is. And, do you need some help or something like that? Yeah, from my end, as a sighted individual and an employer, I wish people had a better understanding of how capable and independent people with vision impairments can be. We currently have four staff members that have vision impairments and they are awesome at their jobs. They're totally capable. And like Jen said, I think it is individualized experience. Some people don't want you to assume that they need Mm -hmm. help. I don't think they would ever mind an offer, but also some people have been doing this for a long time and can find their way just fine. So yeah, just understanding that, like Jen said, it doesn't define a person. Now, I was fortunate enough to be able to go on a tour of the Anchor Center, and you've got some really amazing things happening there. Tell us about the Anchor Center. Who do you normally serve? All those kinds of things. I can give the overview, and then Jen, you can talk a little bit more in detail about programs if you'd like. So we're a center that serves children ages birth to five and their families who are blind or have vision impairments. So we have several different programs. They include an infant-toddler program where infants and toddlers come with their caregivers and rotate through three centers that focus on different developmental abilities. And during those, the point is we are working with the child, of course, but we are also coaching the caregiver so that they learn some strategies to use in the home and when they're not at anchor center. And then we also have a preschool program. So that's kids 
age three to five. We currently have five classrooms and we have a multidisciplinary team that consists of teachers for students with visual impairments like Jen, early childhood special educators, teaching assistants, and then a team of therapists that include occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, music therapy, and horticultural therapy. And so those therapists rotate throughout the classrooms and they're super collaborative and super knowledgeable and are always teaming and working together to individualize every child's educational experience. We also have providers that see children in the homes to provide early intervention for kids ages birth to three. Again, kind of like a parent caregiver coaching model, working with the child in their natural environment. We also have an eye clinic in the lower level of our building where a pediatric ophthalmologist does eye exams for our current students and some alumni students. And then in addition to that, we have some other offerings like community day once a month where current families and alumni families can get together and go do a community outing and respite care nights where families can come and drop their kids and have a break, go have a date night, whatever. The idea is kind of wrap around services for these families who have children ages birth to five when that diagnosis might be really fresh and they don't have the resources they need to just kind of offer a holistic approach to the child and to their family. Amazing. Jen, how about you? To add on to that, Megan, we also do a lot of assessments. Yeah. So we do functional vision assessments, which we're looking at children's low vision. We're trying to see like, even though they may have limited to a little bit of vision, you know, we still look at like, how do they function with the vision that they have? And if they don't, what are some tools that they can use, you know, for auditory and tactile learning? So then that goes into our learning media assessments. And of course, a few other ones that we do just to keep on track with development, like the Oregon project. We do parent teacher conferences for our preschool kids. We meet with our parents three times a year and we all work as a team to figure out what goals we need to work on to get ready for kindergarten. With our infant and toddler program, again, that's our family-based. So parents, caregivers, visiting friends, they all come and we will, usually it's me and another person. So say it's the TBI and the occupational therapist, and we'll be in like one center together. And each of our centers are different in the sense that, so we have a sensory center, which focuses on hand-eye coordination, occupational therapy type skills. How do you use your hands? What do you do with your hands? We have my center that I run and is very dear to my heart, which is the Lightroom. So we focus on children accessing their vision and how they're using it. And, you know, we know that vision doesn't, you know, get better. However, you got to learn to use what you got. And that kind of starting early, I think helps too. And for our kids that are completely blind, we work on, you know, our pre-braille readiness and our auditorial skills in there as well. We also serve children with different multiple disabilities. We have children who have visual impairments, but also might be on oxygen. They might have low tone. So we have, you know, physical therapy. We have a motor center that gets kids with visual impairments to move more, to get more confident in the body that they're in. And we also do like a lot of outdoor things. We have a horticultural therapist for gardening, which is a lot of fun. And when we do things in the community, like going to the pizza place, going mm -hmm. to get a Christmas tree. And we focus on, of course, we're really heavy on the expanded core curriculum here. So that's your career readiness skills, even at that age independent living, your sensory efficiency, which is your senses, and a few other things. There's nine areas. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's talk about, you know, career readiness and independent living. Anchor Centered works with very young children. How are you preparing them for 
the next step, whether that's, you know, public school K through 12 or private school K through 12 and even moving on from there. So I would assume that there's a lot of basic skills that have to be obtained at an early age in order for students to comfortably move on. But how do you do that? And what can students expect when they move on from Anchor Center? So we are a very heavy play-based approach, especially in our infant and toddler program. A lot of times that first year probably is just mostly getting families in the building, getting them comfortable with their child with a visual impairment. Because again, there's, you know, the state, there's still a grieving process. There's an acceptance process. And once we get past that, you know, we start, we do things through play. So it's a lot of in and out. We do pretend play, you know, sweeping the floor, you know, kids naturally like to play with like, you know, items in the kitchen to naturally play you know, in the dirt maybe. And so we take all these things that children that don't have visual impairments that they would do and we just bring it to our children with visual impairments. So it's just more of a direct approach, teaching families how to bond, teaching families how to play with their children. In our preschool, that's when we really start working on those kindergarten readiness skills. Now we do have children that sometimes choose to go, their families choose to go into homeschooling, into charter private type settings. Right now, Megan has a little bit more information than I do. We have a transition team and they are working on building relationships with the teachers of the visually impaired and classroom teachers outside of Anchor that may end up working with these children after Anchor. So we all share our documentations. We do something also, another assessment called the TASA and all of us get together. It's a TVI, OT, PT, speech. Everyone gets together and watches the child play in a classroom and they see like what kind of skills they're doing, what their strengths, their next steps, and how are their strategies to get to these next steps. And so like a typical day in a preschool classroom for my kids would be, they come in, they find their name, you know, whether that be braille or large print, they do their tabletop, we do circle time, we do yoga, they go into a center, depending on the day, depends on if they get occupational therapy or physical therapy therapist that day. You know, lunchtime is even like a center itself because, you know, children are working on opening their lunches, sitting with a group of kids, you know, learning to be more independent with like wiping their faces, washing their hands, putting away their stuff in their cubby. So we do a lot of modeling, a lot of things that they would get maybe in a regular preschool. It's just a lot more direct, a lot more consistent. We're very hands-on and there is a lot of staff to children ratio too. But I think simply put, the ultimate goal is maximum independence for every child. Mm -hmm. So what do children then expect to be able to do in their elementary schools? So Mm -hmm. what are the expectations like? How do regular schools for sighted children prepare? How can they best support blind and visually impaired students? And I'm assuming that Anchor Center is a good starting place for the IEP, the educational plan that helps schools make accommodations for students who need it. Yes, definitely. Most of the time, and if we're really lucky, which happens quite a bit, we don't normally have kids that fall through the cracks, but usually they'll start with their IFSPs for their under three, and then they'll transition with their IEPs, and then we'll get to know their, we'll figure out what district they're with. Sometimes we have to help parents figure that out too. And they'll go through that child find process and then go through our process, our TASA, our transition process. And we all tend to reach out to each other and share each other's, you know, what we know about the kids. Because even in the infant and toddler program, we're writing progress notes, we're monitoring. We have certain goals, like we have, some of the goals would be 
Do they explore beyond themselves? Do they understand concepts like up, down, in, out in preschool? Can they fully independently like go through a cubby routine? Can they go through a going and sitting at the table and finding their things? You know, usually by the end of this year, so our, we have our graduating preschoolers right now coming up in June. We already know who their team is. We already kind of know who their school is. And so that way the transition process will be a lot easier. And then their TVIs or their other teachers can reach out to us and talk to them about how to integrate, you know, some of the things, you know, say a child does better if they have like a certain toy that they enjoy and that gets them through a time of day that's hard for them. So we tell them about things like that. That sounds like a really well-planned handoff from preschool into kindergarten and into a new school environment for the child that hopefully that is something that can continue throughout their schooling as they move Mm -hmm. from elementary school to middle school, from middle school to high school. I think that just sets students up for success so very well. Yeah. If we know their team, we try really hard. Like Jen mentioned, we hand over those assessments that we've done and share any information we know about how this child best functions in a classroom setting so that these kiddos that we've worked so hard with don't lose ground when they transition out of Anchor Center. So Megan, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. And you mentioned that four of your teachers are visually impaired. I know the Anchor Center doesn't serve adults, but do you have any advice or guidance for employers who may be hiring someone who is severely visually impaired or blind and how to make the work environment a more inclusive and equitable place for those employees? Yeah, for me, I mean, I think don't assume anything, right? The potential could be limitless. And I think for me, I just like to be direct. I like to ask my employees, cited or not, how can we set up the environment or set up your workspace or how do you best participate in meetings? How do you like to receive documents and just be really direct. And, you know, the employees that I have right now have been super receptive to that and very candid with me. And I think that's kind of the only way to operate because like, let me give you an example. At one of our all staff meetings, I asked them if they would be comfortable talking a little bit about the vision that they have and some things that we can do to set them up for success in the workplace. And they were like, please clear the clutter from the hallways. And it sounds so simple, but it's like, you know, they expect, they find their way around and they expect the building to feel and look the way that it does. And when we switch up the environment, that's, you know, confusing or trips them up a little bit. So, yeah, I think for me, I like to just be direct and ask those questions. Jen, as an employee, what advice would you give to someone who is getting ready to hire someone who's visually impaired or blind? You know, I think just be open to the creative idea, you know, it could be something as simple as like Megan said, clearing the hallways, or it could be something a little bit more technological, like having a magnifier software on the computer. You know, for me personally, I feel like by the time you hit employment as a person with a visual impairment, you should probably know what you need. And I think that's like, if you've had really good services, especially starting out like the Anchor Center, you know, that's one of the big things we do here is working on, you know, kids discovering what they need and what best works for them because the technology may be similar. However, they may need something totally different. Some of our staff need, you know, JAWS, which is our voice software. And some people need like me, I just need a simple software magnifier. The free one works fine on the computer, you know? (laughs) So just knowing kind of like it takes the person being hired to know what they need, but also it takes the person that is hiring to be able to like make those things happen too. So if we know our accommodations and then we give it to our employer, then our employer hopefully should be able to work with us on how do we get these things 
I mean, you know, and it's very, the things are pretty simple, you know, mm -hmm. now when we get into meeting Braille and those things get a little bit more difficult, but it can be done. But, you know, for me, it's like dimming the lights. Most people that work with me like the lights dim anyway, so that's been kind of easy. <laughs> it just takes the visually impaired us to know like what we need and also like our employer to make those things happen. And Excellent. We're all fortunate at Anchor Center. We all know what we're doing with people with visual impairments. Well, and I love, and Megan was showing me, you know, how the lights work in Anchor Center and how you know, specific colors of mm -hmm. paint are very are showing you where some classrooms are. That's really helpful. And things that I wouldn't have thought about. And I would yeah. guess most employers don't think about. And we're so blessed because that building is, for the most part, it was made for children, like the People that designed that building worked with teachers of the visually impaired. I think they also worked with staff that were also visually impaired and students, and they designed that building specifically. Yeah. And the improvements that we've made over the years have just gotten better. Like the paint, before the paint, it was kind of hard to navigate the hallways, mm -hmm. but now that there's paint, you know, there's this visual, you know, landmark of where to go and you don't get as confused as you used to. <laughs> And for our listeners so that I can explain, so there are different primary colors of paint that indicate this particular area is a certain set of classrooms or the cafeteria. The paint is a marker for folks so that they mm -hmm. can understand where they are in the building. And then for our children that cannot see, because we do have a few, the hallways, the textures are a little different. The flooring's a bit different. We're also working on getting our cubbies to have they have a little tactual cue right now but i think we're working on getting something a little more nicer a little more official but even something as simple as just putting like bumpy paper to signal this is the first set of cubbies is you know mm -hmm. these are small things that can be improved and over time well and that's something that can easily be done by an employer as well mm -hmm. that even just bumpy paper, like you said, you know, indicating that this is where the restroom is or that this is where the person's cubicle is to help make things more accessible and easier for people to find. Well, we are coming close to the end of our time here, but I did want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about people can help support the Anchor Center for Blind Children. You rely a lot on grants and fundraising and support from the community. How can people get involved? What are some of the ways that they can help donate, perhaps, whether it's time or money? And how can they find out more about you? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. All of the above. <laughs> we are a <laughs> private nonprofit organization, and we are funded over 95% by private donations and events and grants. So we've always got events going on. We have a golf tournament that's held at the Coveted Sanctuary every summer, usually in June. We also have our big signature event, which is a gala that is held downtown in September. We participate in Colorado Gives Day, which happens in December. And then in February, we have an event, our only event that's hosted on site at the Anchor Center. It's called Visions of Love, and it's usually around Valentine's Day. And it's just a really casual, easy price point, like $50 a ticket. Come and it's just enjoy wine and cheese and bourbon and snacks and get to see the building. Because I think once you've come in and seen the building, you get a better understanding of what we do here and how special it is. So attending any of those events, donations are welcome anytime. There's a donation button on our website. But then we also recognize that there are other ways to give, you know, of time and talent. And so we welcome volunteers in all kinds of projects. We just had a group come and kind of freshen up the landscaping, remulch and freshen up our garden area. We have volunteers that prefer to be around the kids. So they help out with preparing lunches and mealtimes. So really kind of, if you're interested in getting involved, just give us a shout, look on our website, email us and kind of tell us what you're interested in. I 
we can find something for everyone. And what's that web address, Megan? Anchorcenter.org. All right. Well, Megan Klassen, Jen Taylor, thank you so much for sharing the story of the Anchor Center for Blind Children. It's an amazing place. Thank you both very much for your time today. And for listeners who want to find out more about us, you can find us at envisionrise.com. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.